Hello and welcome to the Wall Street Bulls and Bears Main Street Hopes and Fears podcast. We interview top finance and business professionals who share their unique insights and experiences. We also look at the impact on Main Street and invite them and you to connect the dots. My name is Shanaz Joan Parsan. I'm your host, but we do have other hosts from time to time. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Wall Street's Bulls and Bears Main Street Hopes and Fears podcast. My name is Shanaz Joan Parsan, your host today. I'm joined uh, with a co-host um, uh, here from SZC, Daniel Noray. We're going to do something different today. Yes, yeah, Shanaz, thank you. I'm Daniel Noray, your co-host today. I'm a Brazilian journalist living in British Columbia, Canada, and here to interview our guest today. So thank you. We're going to start uh, our show right now. Yes, come on. Okay, so IT companies have traditionally seen exponential growth and have also been considered a good bet for job stability for a number of years, at least. The number of job opportunities skyrocketed and many companies have increased the number of people in various sectors and subsectors to handle various projects, not to mention hiring a large amount of people overseas. Yeah, even support areas have increased due to the change of companies shifting from in-off work to remote. New computers, tablets, smartphones, apps, more CIS software as a service, and were made better everything in the IT era had more prominence. Yeah, and however, now as COVID-19 appears to have been brought under control through a variety of measures, it appears that the need for many IT professionals have been uh, has seen uh, reduced profits from such businesses, and they've made moves to increase profitability. Unfortunately, and uh, layoffs were some of those measures. Yeah, but does this mean that the IT markets will avoid new investment? And we say the markets, but it's broad sectors. When we say this is IT covered, so many sub industries. Though measures like this also mean the search for more automation in the industry, should the sector still be focused on thousands of young and experienced people who dream of a career linked to the future? All right, and we've invited two experts to talk today to answer these and other questions. Sergio Frias is the CEO of CX Hub and former vice president of uh, contracts executive jets at Embraer, a Brazilian aeronautics uh, company and former vice president of service contracts at Bombardier Canada. And Alcely Barroso is director for business development at FCBB, the Federation of Canadian Brazilian Businesses and an academic manager at the Toronto Business College. Welcome to our show. Uh, did we get anything wrong uh, in the introduction, Sergio and Alcely? Correct me if we did. No, that was perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. On my side, it's perfect. Uh, I just would add uh, another position that I have, another hat that I wear. I'm the chief experience officer at the Chartered Institute of Marketing Management of Ontario here in Toronto. Uh, this is a, a institution that is focused on uh, uh, ethical marketing. We try to help the marketing professionals to grow and develop themselves 
to you know make marketing as uh, you know make the the world a better place through marketing using ethics as a background. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I would like to to add that I've been working for the last 17 years in tech industry. So and and working basically developing skills. Thank you so much, uh, Al Sally. Well, so to start, I would like to ask you what the biggest surprise you've seen in the last few months and, and why in this scenario of so many layoffs and so many problems in our IT industry, Sergio? Yeah, well, um, just recently I was in New York at uh, NRF, which is uh, the National Retail uh, Foundation, which is the biggest uh, retail show in the world. And and I, I was exposed to a number of different uh, aspects uh, related not only to retail, but particularly technology. And, and I was amazed that over the last few years, there was a lot of buzz around uh, uh, metaverse and, and, you know, the online businesses uh, taking over and the physical businesses would die and so on. And this particular year, uh, all of this uh, went away. I mean, nobody's talking about metaverse. It was not a trend topic out of 180 uh, different speeches. Uh, I guess one was about metaverse, uh, while two, three years ago, it was like more than half of people were talking about metaverse. So it was a big surprise for me. Uh, but what, what is most interesting is that there's a lot of discussion about the collaboration between uh, tech and human, meaning uh, instead of uh, having online businesses taking over, the online businesses are becoming physical businesses so that the physical presence can actually boost the sales on the online business. So this uh, type of approach was a, a surprise to me. I saw a few movements here and there in the past, but this year was all around. I mean, people were talking about this everywhere. And, and this is quite encouraging because now you can understand that it's not like, you know, the whole world is shifting to a digital presence only. It's actually a good opportunity to get, uh, you know, the digital and the physical experiences working together, one to, uh, to, to make the other one better, you know, make the business yeah. more robust by delivering to different types of customers and, and, and you know, one size helping the other. Thank you so much. Um, Al-Sally, uh, this one's for you. What do you think uh, these layoffs uh, mean that uh, have uh, we've seen in Google and other uh, places? Uh, was it an easy solution to cut costs or something much more than that? Yeah, it's a, an interesting question. I. Uh, I think companies, they want to return their uh, financial statements to shareholders, their financial results. Uh, it seems an easy solution in the short term, but I don't believe in the, in the long term it will help them. Uh, for me, uh, the, it's, it's hard to, to explain their behavior. They are behaving like a traditional companies. Layoffs always exist. Uh, time to time is cycle. But in this case, uh, they are taking solutions for the short term. So I think uh, it costs money and it costs time effort to hire skilled people. So I think, uh, the, and the layoffs affect the brand perception as well. Uh, you might think the company is not well managed. They didn't, they haven't planned well their hiring and we can understand and we can have many different perceptions 
when they take the solution from the Israeli. I think it's more than that. Is how the, we can think the, the company is not performing well or something that we don't know yet, but it's coming. So I think it's it was of course for the financial perspective is the the best uh, and the more efficient way to cut costs. And but I think in the long term they will see some they will need to hire and may they might be starting uh, hiring uh, people uh, skilled people. So Osili, uh, do you think that they will choose to the balance between the layoffs and the hiring? during this year or beyond? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I think for me, there is space to, uh, oh, the most affected uh, skills are the generalists. Uh, the, the tech skills we, we see from uh, shortage on technical skills and very specific expertise, but I think they should uh, manage well. Uh, what, what is surprised to me that they they copied the model one each other, like the, the behavior changed this time uh, comparing to the, the last few years. And I was trying to, to understand why they are imitating each other is about the, uh, not for one only have a bad perception on, on the brand or what, but it can be, I think it's subtle. It's gonna pass and they are going to, to come back as soon as we improved with uh, economic uh, results and inflation and all the, the economic indicators. Yeah. And uh, if I may, uh, what Elsie Lee said is, is amazing because uh, these tech companies, they used to behave differently from the traditional businesses. And I've been managing traditional businesses for many, many, many years. So I've gone through many cycles and, and adjustments and, and so on. And it's interesting that they are now following the good old uh, recipes, you know, how to run businesses, which was unexpected for someone like me. I expected them to have different types of solutions. But the thing is, uh, uh, the pandemic was a seismic seismic shift uh, on everything, right? So the world was completely changed and the demands changed abruptly. So there was no planning possible in my mind to, to uh, you know, deal with something of that magnitude and that fast. You know, everything closed down and the demand for online uh, services and for, you know, uh, um, uh, people working from home and so on. That that was uh, just incredible. So there was no way to plan around that. And the comp those companies, the tech companies, they didn't know exactly what would be the future and for how long this would uh, endure. So they, they had to hire uh, people proactively. They couldn't simply wait for the demand to materialize to start hiring. So they had to hire a lot more than usual, a lot in a, a very different fashion compared to the, the past. The tech companies, they are very, very cautious about how they hire and how they keep people uh, and, and how they uh, especially deliver or developing special and different technologies. They don't want to have people leaving the company every day. Uh, but this time they had to hire uh, and hire in advance of the demand so that they could actually handle all that demand coming in. However, you know, the, the pandemic got under control and then, uh, you, you know, the Ukrainian war uh, pushed very hard the envelope. So at the end of the day, you see the demand is going down everywhere. There's a lot of inflation. There was a lot of unemployment. Now the tendency is to have employment with lower wages 
which pushes, uh, which puts pressure on any business. And, and now the companies, because their growth rate has reduced, and, and this is how I see, I'm not seeing the market going down or, or these companies getting into big trouble. It's just that um, the speed of growth, the pace of growth has slowed down. So there is no way they can keep hiring at the same rates. There's no way they can keep the same number of people. And, and we're talking about big businesses. We're talking about companies with more than 200,000 employees. So when you uh, when you let uh, you know ten thousand people go, the number uh, by itself is big, but compared to the overall business, it, it's not that big. And and adjustments must be made because these companies they need to be able to serve their customers on the long run. And if they uh, keep those people, uh, they may not be there for for too long, especially depending on how the the market goes. So it's smart to do that. The market expected them to reduce because you know they hired a lot of people with less experience than they needed for much more money than they uh, should uh but but they needed that because they, there was a demand coming uh but now it's it's the time to adjust to make sure that the right people with the right skills at the right prices let's say uh, are on the business and we allow the the, the business to to grow and, and continue uh profitable so that they can you know, uh, as you, of course, it looks like an old man saying, but the truth is uh, you have to fire 10,000 people to protect the employment of 200,000 more people that are working for the company, right? So it's not, uh, it's not nice for those ones who leave the company, but definitely it's important for the ones that stay. And, and if the company doesn't do that and, and the share prices go down and the results go down, everything goes down, the company may face situations that can put the at risk the jobs of way many more people than than they should so i think it's it's an adjustment i've seen this happening many 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 times uh, and i think this is something that that needs to happen i would be very concerned if the tech companies didn't do that because i don't see how they could sustain a, a rate of growth as they were having because of the in, you know, the uh, flash demand coming from the, the pandemic. Okay, thank you, Sergio. Uh, you know, tying into what you've said, uh, like, you know, for the companies, um, have you seen, uh, like, uh, for the uh, folks that uh, have been laid off, uh, uh, so you're saying it's not uh, exactly qualified uh, labor that's been let go. Uh, so the folks uh, that have been let go, uh, they, they were let go to protect uh, um, a bigger majority there. So is the market saturated? Is there su such a thing as saturation in the industry right now? Or is it a temporary shift as a result of what you mentioned before uh, with COVID and uh, companies, uh, the IT companies uh, not being prepared? Well, quite frankly, the whole world not being prepared, but as we're talking about IT companies. Uh, so uh, it's a temporary shift or um, what do you think? Yeah, I don't see saturation at all. You know, the demand for technology will only grow. Uh, that's my view. I mean, in my business, I see that every day, especially going to this uh, uh, NRF uh, um, show. Uh, it, it was very clear that the, the demand for technology will only grow. It's For me, it's a temporary shift. Uh, it's an adjustment that is required, but the demand will keep growing. And what, But one thing that I, I would like to, to make clear um 
yes, the companies hired a lot of people with less um, experience than they needed and they, they paid more than they should. And yes, some of the people that are being laid off are people that don't fit into the required uh, um, uh, competence level that, uh, in, in these companies. But, but there is a little bit of everything. So I'm not saying that the people who lost their jobs are people that are not good enough. Uh, that's the reality. There's a lot of good people that are expensive that need to be laid off. Uh, there's good people that need to uh, open space for younger people that will have different perspectives of the business. So it's a little bit of everything. So we, we can't call those people that were laid off as uh, uh, people that are not good enough. Uh, it's it's a little bit of everything. It's, a, it's an overall adjustment but clearly uh, i don't see i don't see uh, you know a saturation on this market i think that the uh, the younger people that are getting into the market now uh they if they're going on the direction of technology they should keep going because uh, there will be uh, there will be the need for a lot of different uh, profiles going forward uh, in technology particularly young people that understand how young consumers think and what kind of technological solutions are required for this new consumer profile. So they will need, uh, you know, younger people. So uh, whoever is entering the market now should not be afraid of saturation or, oh, now they are laying off. It's not a good market for me. Yes, it is a good market. They, these companies will keep hiring. They will just not hire the same way they hired over the last three years. I totally agree with uh, Sergio. Just a comment uh, because economy and market expectations influence uh, executive decisions. So I think it's temporary, and we cannot forget that this IT companies, most of them are service providers. If your client reduced the use of technology, or your client has an impact in COVID, impacted many retailers and other uh, industries. So you you expect to to reduce as well. So I think part of this temporary situation is uh, because of their clients. It's not because of they have clients, because they are well, they are financially well, they, they have good, uh, healthy, uh, free cash flow. It's not a, a big problem. And Thank so you. That's a that's a, a very important uh, insight. Uh, that's uh, good to know. Yeah. In, in the case, essentially, in the case of companies like Amazon, could this be the beginning of large scale automation and the end of many vacants? What do you think? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, yes, the, the, there is a shift, of course. There is a, 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 you know, a large scale automation process going on. However, there's always a need for uh, more people in different functions. So there are some people, particularly the ones that don't see technology as their thing, th those people will most likely lose their jobs and, and will have a hard time going forward. But those who understand that technology is the way forward and that we need to use technology as a tool, uh, I think that those can find different ways to, uh, to deliver their value to companies, right? So uh, I believe that many positions will cease to exist in large companies, that's for sure, but others will be created. Uh, and, and again, people need to develop technology, people need to apply technology, people have to maintain technology. So there is a, a, a huge number of other functions that uh, humans uh, can, can do. 
Uh, and if, if I may, there's uh, this guy called uh, Sherving uh, Kodabande. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He's the co-lead of uh, Boston Consulting Group's AI and analytics business. And, and he was telling this, uh, the story uh, not long ago that out of all the big companies that applied uh, uh, artificial intelligence in their businesses, only 10% succeeded, got a return on their investment. And, and he made a, they made a, a, a research on that and they figured that what these 10% of big companies have in common is the fact that they did not replace humans with technology. They actually uh, did what they call a collaboration between human and technology, right? So instead of simply firing people, they added artificial intelligence to help people to focus on what, what really matters for their customers and their businesses. And, and what they figured is that the, the artificial intelligence by itself had a limited um, amount of, of, of results that could bring, and the humans as well. But when you add the two together, the, the end result is much bigger than the sum of the individual results, which means that uh, I really believe that the companies that are automating processes, they, uh, the ones that are smart enough, they will figure out ways to uh, have more humans working with more technology to deliver, uh, uh, you know, uh, much bigger scale results, uh, not only for the business, but for their employees, uh, the shareholders, and of course, the, the communities they serve. Uh, so I, I really believe in technology as a tool and something that can help humans to be augmented humans, humans that can deliver better results through technology, right? So that basically, I believe that Technology can give us superpowers. Uh, those that don't understand that, yes, they will lose their jobs and they will have a hard time in the future. Uh, those that understand that they can be better humans by using more technology, they will most likely keep their space in the marketplace uh, in the future. That, that's my view. Can I add one, one point? Uh, I, I think what's happening now, we are democratizing AI. So now people understand what AI, starting with IBM and now uh, with Microsoft. But Amazon uh, has been working to, uh, on automation for a long time. Uh, I see this as an evolution. And we see new jobs, as Sergio was talking, like AI and linguistics, cognitive science. We have to develop new, uh, new professionals, uh, specialized and experts on this area. So I believe it's not... Uh, the end of, of the, the jobs, but is starting a new uh, jobs, starting a different roles and responsibilities for the new jobs. All right, thank you uh, both. Uh, any thoughts on uh, chat um, G, G uh, uh, PT? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah. in line of what you guys said and you know what we're seeing with that uh, from both of you, uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think they democratize GPT-3 and 1, 2, and 3 in the algorithm has been developed, but it was in at universities, it was inside uh, research teams uh, in IT companies. What they did, they democratized uh, the technology and they put the technology in the, the people's hand, which is very good, which is very good because we're starting to create some new uh, people know the technology and they start 
to be curious about working with this new technology. So I think it, it, we are changing. We are seeing a big, big change. Yeah, in, in my mind, uh, chat GPT is a big teaser. You know, uh, the good old way of doing things will change. Uh, education, mainly, you know, when you think about what chat GPT is doing, uh, you know, the, the, the good old schools using the good old formats and, and you know, the, the good old interfaces between students and, and the teachers and technology and so on, this, this all has to change. I don't think the, the, you know, the markets will be the same anymore. This is a big teaser. It's something that will get people moving and rethink the way we teach and we, um, we provide knowledge to, to, to students particularly, because clearly when, when you have a tool like that, the old model won't work. There, it's it's going to be impossible to keep students motivated to keep learning the same good old way. Uh, and ChatGPT is is just accelerating uh, a trend that was already in course. Uh, you know, just like uh, COVID that accelerated a lot of stuff in technology, ChatGPT is going to accelerate a lot of stuff uh, everywhere, everywhere else, particularly in education. You know, we have to rethink. Uh, how we do things because the younger generations they don't think the same way, and Chat GPT is here to remind us of that. And either we're cognizant of those changes and we take action, or you're going to be we're we're going to you know the, the the system as it is will fail. Uh, and I guess it's uh, as a consequence. After all I said, I believe that Chat GPT is a good thing. After all, uh, of course, it's a good thing for those who want to grow and change the way we do things. For those who want to keep doing things the good old way, it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this one uh, for Al-Sili. Um, what do you think uh, the impact of uh, the layoffs that we've uh, seen has been on the uh, Canadian market? Yeah, if we see the Canadian market, we have Canadian market companies, they have more than nine. 98% are small and medium, medium enterprises. So the layoffs can, uh, the, the, this high skilled people, they can join any other companies that are growing, startups that, is, that are starting growing. Can, Canada is well known by investing in new companies as startups. So I see as an opportunity for the Canadian market uh, to have high, uh, high skilled people uh, that it was difficult to come the higher the IT companies, they are very important competitors for high wages and, and so on. So now the, the, it's an adjustment in the market and the small and medium enterprises will have, especially from the IT, SMEs from IT industry will be benefited uh, for this uh, situation. That is bad for one, but it's, it could be good for opportunity for another yeah also you talk about the small and medium companies that can grow in this scenario but what the the high companies can uh can learn from this current moment for the industry to evolve or even transform the way to do yeah i would say that they should think about the long term not only the short term I think the long term is important to, to think about the strategy of the company, the market, the trends. So if you only see in the short uh, term, 
you can have a problem in the future with competitors because you continue to have competitors. So for me, strategy is something that comes up. Uh, it's it's a very important topic. Uh, so I will learn uh, to think about the long term, what the, co- the people that are currently in the company, because when you have these layoffs, most of the people think about those who left, but those who are inside the company. This create a, a climate inside the company, and this could create, could, could decrease uh, the productivity because people get scared. Maybe I the next, maybe, <laughs> maybe I be the next yeah. one. So the people uh, can get tense with the situation, and so it decrease can decrease this productivity. I think the company should pay attention to this, how to make this. Uh, you can do in once, or you can do during the, 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 the year, or uh, you can think about better planning. So there are many options, but I think this is what we should learn and observe and learn from this. Thank you so much. Um, question uh, for um, um, uh, Sergio. So how can the advances in AI studies help transform uh, the, the future uh, organizations impacted by cuts? So we, we talked about that. Uh, uh, so these are, um, you know, highly profitable uh, uh, companies. So um, should there be, uh, what should they do? And for smaller companies, should uh, there be more investments uh, to assist? Uh, the smaller ones in particular uh, uh, in AI uh, to uh, help transform. And as you mentioned before, um, not think about it as AI replacing people jo- people's jobs, but uh, it complementing. So uh, even for smaller companies uh, uh, being seen as um, uh, going to uh, drive more hires, not take away people's jobs as it appears to uh, uh, be for some people. Yeah, well, I guess one important thing that we have to see over time and we have we have to pay attention to the net uh, um, layoffs, let's say, because, you know, there's a, when you're laying off people, you can't lay off, you know, 10 people here, 20 people there, 30 people here, 20 people there, because this creates a bad, very bad uh, environment within the company, inside the company that may, uh, you know, destroy productivity. People feel uncomfortable. The best people, when they're afraid, they will find other opportunities where they feel safer. So I think that we we have to be very careful when we look at that, because when we fire, we have to fire everyone at once. And when we hire, we hire over time. So I would like to see two years from now, what is the math, right? Will they have hired more than they fired or all the way around? That That's important. But the thing is, these companies, they, they are profitable, but they are profitable for a reason. Uh, they do help small companies. Uh, sometimes all they do is to simply acquire them so that they can bring that particularly particular knowledge inside their walls so that they can develop and can deliver great uh, new solutions. They invest tons and tons and tons of money in uh, research and development. They do have a lot of partnerships with smaller companies and they help the smaller companies to grow and develop specific technologies that will be required for the big companies' business going forward. So it, it is already going on. The fact is that as Ossili said, in, in a country like Canada, 
98% of the companies are small companies. So there's no way the big companies can help all of them, right? Or help all the technology ones at least. Uh, but the fact is uh, this type of collaboration uh, happens. And I really believe that with these people that are, uh, you know, some of these people have knowledge that is good enough for the smaller companies, may not be good enough for the big ones, but will definitely help uh, the market uh, with that knowledge that is being made available at a much lower price uh, now because, you know, the demand is lower. So, you know, naturally the, the, the wages go down. So I, I think that this is a natural move. Uh, I think the, the small ones will benefit uh, exactly like Ossili mentioned. Um, and, and these people will find a place. I mean, there, there will be demand out there. Some of these people will actually start their own companies. They will start developing technology by themselves and start to create small clusters here and there, bringing more people in and, and develop new solutions. Uh, I see that as a natural movement. Uh, and, and I was just surprised that the, 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 the big companies decided to use the, the old style, but, but I think that it's an, it's an effective style when you're talking about, uh, big shifts in demand, like we saw with the pandemic and after the pandemic. Did I answer your question? You, you absolutely did. Uh, thank you yeah. so much. Can I add one comment? Uh, okay. OpenAI is an example of this uh, small company that partnered with a big company. And so ecosystem for me is the key word here, because when companies, big companies work with the, their ecosystem, uh, the small companies, uh, innovative programs and projects came up. So I think that's the, an example of how uh, creative can be if they partner. So also the uh, based in your last answer, you can see that uh, I agree with Sergio already said before that the tech industry is still being very important as a dream market because of everything that is around it. But what message do so many cuts like this send to the future generation? They need to prepare more about your skills, about everything. Definitely, me they should be prepared to changes in IT. And to give you an example, uh, according to the cyberseek.org, uh, last year, uh, in, from January to December, there was a gap of 53,000 uh, uh, employees or uh, professionals in IT, cybersecurity. So what's happening now is that the market is changing and the future generation must understand where is the job will be in the future, not now, because they, they have to understand what's happening, the trends, uh, and definitely the, the uh, technology is evolving so fast and so deep, we're going to uh, need deep uh, experts on very specific areas, and Canada does this for a long time. Canada, you have to be an expert in one uh, industry in one position. What's happening now? It's, it's general. We have uh, all the companies will follow the same. So I think skills and deep skills with soft skills, of course, soft skills is critical, but technical skills will be very, very important to specific areas like AI, linguistic, computational, uh, uh, cognitive sciences. They will need more jobs. But in the, the basic level will be saturated, like uh, uh, 
coders, programmers, probably they will get separated uh, because they, 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 they go with the flow of the market, the financial and the demands of the client. But if you go deep, when these technologies, AI technologies, they spread into different industries, automation, natural language processing. So you need more specialized experts in that specific areas. Thanks, Osali. I know uh, I haven't uh, read it in depth yet, but I saw that in Ontario in 2024, they're going to introduce an additional uh, course for young uh, folks uh, entering uh, grade nine. So like, you know, in IT specifically, so like starting really early. So, uh, you know, goes uh, straight to T-point. Um, so uh, uh, thanks for that. Uh, so um, I'll ask both of you yeah, now, uh, what's the biggest area related to your current role uh, that you're researching right now and that you find interesting, you, you know, like uh, to both, either of you can start. Yeah, I can start for me, soft skills and technology companies. Soft skills, I've been studying for more than two years and interviewing HR professionals about technical skills. And, and they most of them say the, the hardest part is to hire the right uh, technical skills with the, the right soft skills. So resilience, communication, skills, collaboration, and problem solvers. And usually tech, technical uh, professionals, they are quiet, they, they want to do alone, and what the companies and industry needs, they need more communication, more resilience. So I think this is the biggest area uh, I see uh, we need to improve. We need to focus on to get both skills, technical and soft skills together. Sergio? Yeah. And in my case, um, I'm about to start a research project with uh, Humber College here in Toronto, uh, where we'll try to understand how to optimize the creation of insights uh, through data, you know, data collection, data analysis, and data display, so that we can um, help people to create or to use data for storytelling. Uh, because uh, I think it's important that people understand that technology, uh, the, the, the value of technology is what it can bring to you as a result and not the technology itself. So we have to use technology for other applications like, for example, storytelling. How can I uh, create a story that will engage people, that will engage customers, uh, but using data to put together that story? So that's the, the, the type of uh, research we're going to do. How to help storytelling through uh, the optimization of the creation of insights using data, how, understanding how to collect, analyze, and display the data for that purpose. Yeah. Whoa. I think my question is for both too. <laughs> how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your whole? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I may, Osili, uh in my side, I have basically five fronts that I that I try to keep alive uh, for me to to learn, or you know, every day. First is to be present in events, congresses, uh, you know, anything that I can can uh, learn from experts and can see the trends. Um, the same thing with networking. I try to network a lot so that I can learn from these people 
what are the trends, where things are going and what they're thinking of, what they're learning, what, where they're getting information and, and so on. So these two things are for, for trends. Uh, I also uh, give, a, give wings to my curiosity. So I like to read not only articles, but books. Uh, it's interesting when, when you read a book that is not exactly what you do for a living, but then you start to get insights that can, uh, uh, you know, the curiosity and, 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 you know, I, I believe that creativity is basically your ability to recombine knowledge, right? So I'm, I'm not going to create anything new. Basically, what I'll do is to connect a point here and there and create something new out of something that exists already. But that, that's the type of creativity that I have. And I do that through curiosity. So I, I really allow myself to read stuff that are not connected to my main uh, way of, of making money, right? Uh, the fourth one is um, school. I mean, I, I take specific courses. So based on the feedback I get in terms of trends and things, I choose specific courses, but typically from um, important institutions that bring uh, different perspectives about the buzzwords that we hear in the marketplace. So instead of just uh, taking a free course here and there, I spend money to, to have Harvard to have MIT to have you know courses that are that are significant, and the last one is teaching. I love to teach because when I teach, I'm challenged. So every day I have to think about what I'm saying, and I have to be sure of what what I'm saying. So I go research to figure out and make sure that I'm not saying anything stupid. And then when I get the the feedback, when the students start to ask questions, tough questions, uh, that's when I learn the most. Uh, because they they put me in a position where I have to use uh, to use other resources to to learn more. So this is basically what I do to keep try to keep updated. Of course, the the pace of knowledge growth is much higher than my ability to learn. But at least I'm filtering the things that make sense to me and and try to stay updated. Thank you so much. Um, oh, you wanted to um, say no, something? Yeah, for me, I adopting lifelong learning style, always looking for some new courses and new, uh, and to use technology to augment our capacities. I believe in this. So use technology and this lifelong learning with micro learning, micro credentials is always important to demonstrate. It is not enough, we, we can learn, but for the market it's also important to demonstrate and micro learning certificates, small certificates can help to demonstrate your learning. Okay, thank you uh, uh, both. Um, I'll ask uh, this for both of you again. What's a common myth um, about your job or field of expertise that you think is out there? And uh, I guess what's uh, what do most people get wrong in your opinion? I can start because it's related to what I just said. Okay. Uh, I think the common myth is you have a certificate or diploma is enough for your to get a good position in a company. And it's more than that. It's important, definitely it's important. But the combination of soft skills and the, the, your uh, learning and your continuous learning, the companies need more resilient problem solvers. So it's important to, to demonstrate, but it, we, we have to demonstrate in the field of expertise and combining with soft skills. Thank you, Sergio. Yeah, it, 
in my case, uh, my company is specialized in customer experience. So we help companies to uh, improve the way they create and deliver experiences so that they can engage emotionally their customers so that the customers will keep coming back for longer. So we'll basically help companies to be to become future proof through uh, customer experience. And the biggest myth that I that I see in this business is that people believe that customer experience is for retail only. You know, that's when, you know, customer experience is when you're in front of the customer selling something. This is definitely not true. All the customer experience fundamentals, all the principles, they are, uh, and all the concepts, they are universal. So it doesn't matter if your business is brick and mortar or digital. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It doesn't matter if it's B2B or B2C. It doesn't matter the industry. The concepts, they are all the same. But you have to adjust to the reality of the business. And and uh, and um, and something that is actually uh, was a surprise to me is that I have a lot of business in Brazil. And uh, some of my customers are big commodity companies, you know, companies that sell stuff that nobody would ever think of customer experience. And, and those companies, they are looking for me and they're asking me to help them because they don't want to sell commodities anymore. Because commodities, the only thing that defines uh, whether the customer is going to buy from you or from your competitor is price. Because they assume that the quality is virtually the same. But what they want to do is to first to become you know, future-proof. They want to keep their business growing in the future. And they want the customers to start thinking of something else. They don't want to fight over price. They want to be able to have their customers paying premium prices for something that normally is considered a commodity, but this is going to be justified by the experiences that they deliver. This the the peace of mind that the customers have and, and the type of solutions that they develop that will keep the customers coming back and not talking price, but talking how can you help solve my problem. And and this is uh, the 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 myth that customer experience is only for retail. No, it's for everyone. And uh, and and it's it's surprising that companies are waking up and they're realizing that value in the future is not going to be on the differentiation that you bring in terms of product because even even a cell phone you know a big company uh, develops and launches a new cell phone one week later there's another one with exactly the same functionality and if the decision of the customer to buy one or the other is price. Even if it's very high technology, what you're selling is a commodity, and and companies are realizing that no, we can't we can sell commodities. We have to sell experiences, and and people will keep coming back, and will pay more, and will bring bring their friends to buy more. That that's uh, that's it. No, thank you so much. So I'm going to uh, wrap up uh, with uh, in closing to ask you both uh, what are some books uh, you'd recommend to our audience and why? And I'll, I'll throw in uh, another one. Um, what question you wished I had asked and like, you know, uh, speak to that, if you will. So, Sergio, I'll let you go first. Yeah, well, uh, as I said, my business is customer experience. This is actually my passion. I uh, I decided to start all over at the age of 52. I gave up my top management positions in big international global companies in the aerospace industry to start with my own business and, and, and work with customer experience. So the book I have to recommend 
uh, clearly is based on what is my passion today. And it's a book that helps me a lot. It's called B2B Customer Experience from uh, uh, a father and son, uh, Nick Haig and Paul Haig. Uh, that book is amazing because it talks about B2B uh, customer experience, but from a, a very broad perspective, talking about people, soft skills, technology, you know, the how the, the brain works and, and, and bringing a lot of insights about uh, that, that helps us to understand that uh, uh, customer experience is also for B2B, you know, for business to business uh, companies and not only business to consumer, B2C. So that's a, a, a big one. And uh, if we're talking technology, I, uh, I was surprised that I bought a book from Harvard Business Review called AI Analytics and, new Machine, uh, and the New Machine Age. It's a collection of articles from Harvard Business Review. And those articles were amazing because they, they brought some very interesting perspectives of, about technology and how to use it as a tool. Uh, so these two are in two different fronts of, of, of knowledge, but um, but I really enjoyed reading those. And, any and by the way, you asked another question about yep. what was the other question? And anything that you wished I had uh, asked you that you'd like to talk about? Um, I wish you have asked me, uh, why am I working with customer experience? You know, <laughs> where did it come from? You're, you used to be an engineer. You're an engineer by uh. education. You worked as a square, uh, you know, manager or you know, leader in in uh, traditional industries, and now you're talking customer experience. And the answer to that question would be, uh, when I was a kid, I was eight years old. I used to leave school and go to my father's uh, office. Uh, he used to be a bank manager, and and I was always amazed to see him uh, talking to customers because I could see the customer come customers coming into the business. It, with a very sad face, you know, clearly they were not having a good day and they were, would go straight to my father and start talking. And my father would never ask or talk about bad things, about problems. He would talk, he would tell stories. He was a great storyteller. And through the stories, he would understand what was the problem. And then after 20 minutes, the customers stand up and leave and they hug my father and said, thank you, Mr. Borges. And they had a smile on their faces. And that transformation was amazing for me. And then my father turned around, called his uh, his employees, and started telling them the same stories that he told to the customers. So he used to put the employees and the customers at the same level, which was amazing for me. And then these people, they got uh, um, you know excited about the stories, and they went to solve the customer problem. Like half an hour later, they came back with a smile on their faces saying, hey, Mr. Borges, it's all solved. It's all good. And, and that was amazing for me. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do when I grow up. But as you know, life happens. Uh, I became an engineer, square, did a lot of things that were a pain in the neck. But finally, uh, I had the courage in a pandemic to shift and, and go back to my eight-year-old uh, uh, dream of becoming a customer experience uh, professional. And here I am, happy to, to, to be doing this. Thank you so much, Sergio. Just so you know, my husband's an engineer and uh, I don't agree with the square stuff, but like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's all good, like uh, mechanical engineering. Alcili, uh, uh, yourself, what book uh, or books you'd recommend and what question also you wished I had asked? Okay, I'd recommend the book called The Loop, The Loop from Jacob Ward. I think this, this book is about how technology is impacting our human behavior. 
and I'm interested in human behavior. And this book makes us reflect what is freedom when we take a decision or we are, are we being suggested to take the decision because of the AI and all technology. So it's, it's a discussion because bias uh, will continue to existing and ethics and AI are is going to be important. So this book makes this bring us this reflection. So it's very uh, interesting. And I think the question is, how can we prepare future generation? This is my, something that I've been constantly working on. And I think the new generation need leading, we need to lead by example. They need examples and, and we need to give them hope. I think this is the most important thing. I think we, we when we think about the next generation. And we should use more mentoring, coaching, storytelling. Surgery is the best for storytelling and learning from others. I think we should embed this all uh, practices in all the learning activities to give them hope because they are preparing. Uh, they can change ethics, technology will change the way we are today. And with AI, when we think about the future, the future of technology is changing. They must be prepared to to have to ethical uh, in an ethical perspective and and in behavior. So I think this uh, my contributions. Thank you so much. Comments on that? Yeah, go ahead, Sergio. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make a comment because this is interesting. Another perspective of this uh, cuts on the uh, technology industry. Let's say I, I think it is also a wake up call and also a kind of a uh, a teaser for this young generation, a, a reality check, so that they understand that, look, things are not going to happen by gravity, right? So you have to move, you have to learn, you have to be the guy they need. It's not just another guy, because over the last two, three years, you know, anyone with any experience in technology were being hired. And, and I think that the younger generation, they tend to uh, uh, underestimate the complexity of life and and this is the big reality check and let's say you wake up my friend uh you have to be prepared you have to have the skills you have to have more than just uh, availability uh to be able to find a job and land a good job and 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 and, and thrive uh so this is another perspective people only see the bad side of you know layoffs but sometimes it can be uh it can be good depending on how you look at it no, I, I, you know, I take that point quite uh, well. Granted, I run a company, so uh, you know, I also employ uh, folks. So uh, you know, I understand that, and I am trying to groom, uh, you know, the folks that you know we have to develop uh, that attitude. But that said, thank you so much, uh, Sergio and Alceli. This has been incredibly enjoyable. So much so, um, I'm tempted to have you guys uh, back. You know, so uh, I hope uh, you'll take uh, me up on that. On an another note, I thank uh, Daniel Nobre, without whom I would not have met uh, you both. Uh, he introduced me and uh, uh, to you both. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Shana, for the invitation. And then thank you, Rosalie and Sergio, for staying here with us. Thank you so thank much. You yeah, it's my pleasure. Having Definitely a, a very interesting conversation. And a, another example where we learn from uh, from something. Uh, as you ask the questions, we have to, you know, think about stuff and, uh, you know, recombine our knowledge to be able to answer intelligently. So it's another opportunity for me to grow. I'm always available for that. Thank you very much for ha having me.
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Wall Street Bulls and Bears Main Street Hopes and Fears podcast. We hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.